Happy Europe Day, everyone. Welcome to the Foreign Policy Talks Europe Day special episode. For this interview, we'll bring to you a candid and exclusive conversation with the ambassadors of the European Union member countries. Good morning, good afternoon, good, good evening, the listeners of Foreign Policy Talks podcast. Thank you so much for being the loyal listeners of this platform. Today, I'm very humbled and uh, honored of having Ambassador Igor Grismans, uh, the EU ambassador or the European Union ambassador to ASEAN. Let me greet him before I give him a lot of tough questions about EU and ASEAN relationships. How are you doing, Ambassador? Very well, not too. What about you? I'm okay, but uh, very nice uh, to have this opportunity to talk to you. And uh, would you mind if I give you a lot of questions about the state and developments of EU-ASEAN relationships, Ambassador? Sure, shoot away. Right. But before that, happy Europe Day. And and this episode is actually made to celebrate uh, the Europe Day in the midst of a lot of problems today in Europe. And happy 45th anniversary of EU-ASEAN relationships, Ambassador. My first question to you is, how do you incorporate the value of Europe Day, which is celebrating peace and unity to the EU and ASEAN relationships so far? Uh, thanks, Noto. Well, indeed, I mean, for us, uh, the European project and, and Europe Day really is all about uh, cooperation. It's all about uh, choosing, working together, Uh, it's all about choosing solidarity over, say, narrow self-interest uh, uh, cooperation over confrontation. And in a way, what's at the heart of the European project is also at the heart of uh, ASEAN and indeed of our partnership uh, with ASEAN. Uh, so really this idea of a cooperative global order is what has been underpinning the EU-ASEAN relationship over the last 45 years. And you see that that are actually the values that are most under attack in today's international politics, be it in the Indo-Pacific or indeed on the European continent these days. Yeah. Wow, it's very important. Uh, so in the midst of uh, a lot of geoeconomic and geopolitical shocks, we see that EU and ASEAN is still sharing the same vision, uh, Ambassador, right? They, they want to see a stronger peace and stability uh, in the region. That's uh, right, that's yeah, right. Yeah, and uh, what do you think as um, the potential partnerships that EU and ASEAN should uh, thrive in the coming years to reinforce the efforts in creating peace and stability, especially in the Indo-Pacific region, Ambassador? Well, I mean, maybe for starters, uh, I would argue that the EU and ASEAN have already the most comprehensive strategic partnership. Uh, we are each other's third largest trading partner. Uh, we are uh, the biggest development partner of ASEAN, cooperation partner, and indeed the comprehensive, most comprehensive in the number of technical dialogues. We indeed have 20 sectoral dialogues on basically every issue under the sun, on construction standards, on uh, maritime security, on uh, all uh, all issues you could possibly think about. We you have- said 20 ambassadors. You said 20? 20. Wow. 20, yes, yeah, yeah. So um, 
we have a very kind of dense uh, engagement. But of course, now that we celebrate 45 years, we look to the future and we think, what, what can we do more? What can we do better? And I think one of the areas you mentioned is security. Mm. And that's, that's, definitely, uh, that's definitely one big area where we can step up further uh, our cooperation. And I, I notably think about maritime security because we both, EU and ASEAN, uh, we're, we're strong adherents to the international, uh, to international law, to uh, UNCLOS, uh, the law of the sea. Uh, and to the respect of that law of the sea, because without uh, uh, rules, without laws to govern the seas, you basically have only the jungle, and yeah. that's what we need to. That's what we need to uh, avoid. So that will be a big focus of our work, I think, in the coming uh, in the coming years. Right. So I'm I'm curious to know what's your thought, because some of the members of this club uh, ambassador told me that, you know, and and trying to figure out whether. EU and ASEAN should also develop the same type of integration. Do we ASEAN really need to, to see EU as a good example on how the regional uh, countries can, can integrate and work together in, in such of efficiency that you mentioned earlier? Well, I think the short answer is no. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, ASEAN is, is very different than the uh, EU. Uh, and I think any ASEAN official uh, that I've met has said that, uh, yes, uh, the EU could be a, a possible source of inspiration, but ASEAN is very different in nature, is, is also very different in its kind of final objective, yeah. because the EU has always wanted to be an ever closer union, integrating ever more the different uh, countries and peoples of the, of the EU. Well, ASEAN has chosen a, a, a different way of, of um, integration. By the way, most ASEANs prefer the words community building, not integration. Right. Uh, and um, it's, it's different in its objective, but also in its procedures uh, through basically consensus, uh, through intergovernmental cooperation and uh, so on and so forth. So, I think we've chosen very different models, but that is not to say that we cannot learn from each other uh, when it comes to what works, what doesn't work, uh, and uh, see what, um, uh, where we can do together. And I think in, in, in our own right, there was one ASEAN foreign minister who said that we're the two most successful examples of regional integration in the world. So. In a way, uh, we, we, I think we've both, both been successful, even though we've chosen a different path of integration. Right, very interesting. But Ambassador, we are looking at the future. And of course, ASEAN leaders, and as you know, that we as emerging economists are thinking of transitioning our economy to be, to be greener, right? To be more sustainable. And I know that EU is, is, is a good example. I mean, it's, it's a great example in, in the sustainability efforts. One of the uh, instances, the European Green, Green Deal, which aims to make Europe as the first climate neutral continent by 2050 and with all of the other um, ambitious uh, targets. In what ways do you think EU and ASEAN can, can enhance its cooperations in terms of climate efforts? Mm. It's a very good question. I mean, it's true that through the Green Deal, the EU aims to be carbon neutral by uh, 2050. Mm. 
uh, but we also know that climate action can only be successful if everybody, the entire world, all major uh, and minor global players come together and work together. So for us, the ASEAN is an indispensable partner in this uh, regard, hence uh, our emphasis over the last couple of years and indeed in the future on setting this uh, green agenda together. And I'd say there's three, three dimensions to uh, what we do and what we should do more in the future. First of all, there's financial cooperation. So we have joint programs on many different areas. We work together on forest governments. Uh, we work together on supporting smart green cities. We work together on um, haze uh, mitigation, a big topic, as you will know, in the region, and so on and so forth. So um, we, we've also stepped up uh, funding for sustainable investment in big infrastructure works. Hmm. Uh, we've been, uh, uh, we've announced a funding of the ASEAN Catalytic Green Finance Facility, that's a mouthful, uh, with uh, 780 million uh, euro. Uh, so big kind of financial investment that we are uh, uh, willing to, to, to do. Second level is, is a technical one. It's equally important whereby we basically get our experts together and exchange on things like circular economy, on green technology, renewable energy. So that the financial cooperation is also underpinned by kind of an exchange of ideas and, and best practices. A third level is say more the official level uh, where we have currently a, what we call a high-level dialogue on environment and climate change ongoing, but we want to bring this to a political level. And it is definitely my hope that uh, the environment ministers of uh, ASEAN can meet with the EU in the course of uh, 2022 to discuss at political level what more we can and should do uh, going forward. Right. So it seems that it's not only putting attention much on the government level, but also the business sectors, as you mentioned, and also academic level, right? Because you mentioned about exchange of knowledge, uh, best practices, and, and so on and so forth. So, yeah. So everyone who's listening to this, you know, even you're not government officials, actually, you can be part of the, of the conversation on, on climate actions, yeah? Right? Yes. And, and Ambassador, we, we cannot forget that we are still in the midst of pandemic, although we are trying to move on, <laughs> to the stage that we are recovered together, right? And, and EU and ASEAN is both a prominent in ensuring there is a, all member countries can have a swift recovery and then a sustainable recovery uh, from the pandemic. And of course, we, we need to talk about the economic aspect on it, right? Do you mind sharing what action does EU and ASEAN is trying to do uh, to have a faster economic recovery due to COVID? Sure. Uh, well, I think your first point was right. We're um, somehow COVID is behind us, but at the same time, not quite. <laughs> so I think dealing with the health issue is still a priority. Um, we have organized over the last uh, uh, year a number of expert dialogues of, um, between uh, vaccine experts. And I think that's been between the European Union and ASEAN. And we will 
maybe do another one in, in the future. And I think that's, that's proven extremely uh, useful to, to basically also there get uh, a flow of uh, ideas, experiences, and technical capacity between the European Union and ASEAN. Because I know that these days, everybody thinks they're a vaccine, uh, vaccine experts because uh, they've uh, uh, read some articles on Facebook, but I can tell you bringing real experts together is quite something, uh, quite something else. And uh, beyond that, there's of course also there a serious kind of financial cooperation ongoing. But to get to your point on the uh, economy, uh, as I mentioned before, we are each, each other's uh, third largest uh, trading partner and, and uh, foreign investor. So what we hope to do in the coming years is boost that trade relationship further. We already have a free trade agreement uh, signed and entered into force with uh, Vietnam and with Singapore. We're currently negotiating with uh, Indonesia and some other ASEAN countries. So uh, we hope to give that a further boost. That's kind of the first level. The second one is a message that our businesses give us uh, uh, constantly, which is that they would benefit from a more integrated ASEAN market. And I think what we've seen over the last couple of years is that ASEAN has reduced its uh, tariffs uh, almost to zero between ASEAN countries, which is definitely good news for our businesses. But at the same time, we've seen some non-tariff measures go up. So I think that's definitely something that we will continue discussing with uh, ASEAN uh, and we have a big program ongoing there. It's called the RISE Plus, which uh, deals exactly with kind of trade facilitation and harmonization within the ASEAN uh, market. One example I might uh, mention there is the launch of the ASEAN Customs Transit uh, System, which is basically a, a computerized system helping uh, trucks to move from one ASEAN country to another and then yet to a third ASEAN country without having to do paperwork uh, on, on the way. So we hope to do more of that in, in the future because also for, for the recovery, both within ASEAN and, 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 and EU, uh, these, are, these are very important initiatives. Right, and I think I agree with you. Since the onset of the pandemic, we've seen that there is a growing protectionism policies, right, uh, Ambassador, among ASEAN member states to EU and to other partners across the globe. And I think we need to continuously reform this and try to make us, um, you know, a better economic cooperations with less regulation, with less uh, non, uh, uh, you know, tariff barriers that you mentioned earlier. But I'd like to move on to another topic, um, Ambassador, which is... Uh, EU's global gateway and it offers the visions to work with other partners across the globe trying to engage uh, further with these partners to, to have a, a better economy, resilient post-pandemic time and so on and so forth. But what is exactly this global gateway and then how do you envision this concept of cooperation will, will implement uh, in ASEAN? Right. I mean, I think you 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 said it you said it right. Um, through this global gateway, we hope to build connections with our partner 
uh, for a greener, healthier, and more resilient recovery. Yep. Uh, and that is something that we've been doing with ASEAN since, since quite some time. Uh, and we've basically uh, built on the very unique experiences that we both have as regional uh, integration project, as connectivity uh, projects ourselves. And um, I mentioned the trade facilitation projects earlier. I could mention the infrastructure projects. I could mention the, the kind of student exchanges and people-to-people -people contacts uh, that we have been uh, facilitating in uh, the past and which we will continue to do. But I think Global Gateway gives this, uh, takes this to a different level of ambition. Mm. And um, I could give you some examples of what we hope to do uh, going uh, forward. Number one is we will sign during this uh, year the first ever region to region, so EU ASEAN comprehensive air transport agreement. Mm. And uh, basically the biggest agreement of its kind ever negotiated by the EU binding together the 37 states of EU uh, and ASEAN. And once this is entered into force, it will create new opportunities for aviation cooperation and increased air connectivity between our two regions. Uh, and uh, of course, contribute to post-COVID recovery, uh, but also to, to closer trade to more people, uh, to people links. So that's a very big deal in a way. Um, a second one is on uh, railways. Uh, we are starting a cooperation on uh, traffic management. Uh, and actually in, a, in two, three weeks time, we'll have a quite an important uh, meeting with ASEAN to see uh, what uh, ASEAN can um, learn in terms of uh, traffic management and what we can learn from uh, uh, ASEAN. You might know that within Europe, we have implemented the European Railway Traffic Management System, which basically allows trains to go from one country to another mm -hmm. and the systems of the different countries to be interoperable. Uh, so the, the, the kind of the final vision of this is that we will have on the European continent self-driving trains uh, to the same extent that everybody now talks about self-driving uh, cars. So it's a very kind of ambitious uh, uh, program, but this is the kind of discussion that we're having these days with, uh, with ASEAN. And then, and then another example is, I've mentioned some of these sustainable investment in infrastructure. There too, I think we will kind of uh, go a, a level higher. And we're currently discussing a number of regional connectivity projects uh, with ASEAN, which could, which our businesses uh, and indeed our investment banks could contribute to. Right. So it's all about an effort to enhance soft and also hard connectivity between two regions, right, Ambassador? That's right. You That's give a lot right. of examples on the hard connectivity, but I'm sure you, you mentioned about people to people also play an important part in this, in this global gateway. So do you, Absolutely. do you mind if receiving a lot of, for example, ideas coming from the listeners later on about how to enhance soft connectivity in the future? By, by, by all means. I mean, one, the one big program that we have when it comes to people to people connectivity is called EU Share, which is um, 
a, uh, an exchange program for students within ASEAN. So allowing, say, a Malaysian student to go and study in the Philippines, an Indonesian study to, student to go and, and study in, in, in Vietnam. So that's just one example of something that we do. But any idea, uh, Noto, is most welcome. Sure. I think the listeners are happy to, to listen to that. <laughs> but um, Ambassador, let me break you into a, a very big problem in, in, in ASEAN, which is a political crisis in Myanmar. And you recently uh, appointed as the EU Special Envoy for Myanmar. Do you mind sharing the stances of the EU and how's the progress of the peace talk? Uh, I'm not sure whether we have entered a peace uh, talk level in, in, in within Myanmar, but how? Uh, what do you want to share about this? Sure. I mean, what we've seen is, is basically the illegal overthrowing over one year ago now of a democratically elected uh, government. And uh, it's rather clear that it's a brutal setback for the democratic evolution and, and the development of this very important uh, ASEAN member state, also creating instability in, in say, the wider region and a uh, clear risk of spillover of the instability that that situation has uh, created. Uh, you know that the ASEAN leaders got together and um, appointed a ASEAN special envoy, but also a so-called five-point uh, consensus. Uh, unfortunately, the Myanmar military authorities haven't lived up to the commitments that they undertook within that five-point consensus. They spoke about uh, the reduction of uh, violence, which hasn't happened. They spoke about engaging with a, in a political dialogue with all parties. And again, that uh, hasn't happened. So we continue to push uh, forward. We continue to argue for a, uh, an end to this brutal repression and the killings for uh, uh, swift uh, and um, uh, humanitarian aid according to the basic humanitarian principles of impartiality and so on and so forth. So we have applied a number of targeted sanctions. We have put on hold our development assistance to the government. Uh, we have uh, ourselves um, spend a sizable amount of humanitarian aid and so on and so forth. But I think what's now important is to kickstart this kind of political dialogue that I was uh, talking about. Failing to do so, I think, will only further uh, endanger the uh, stability of the country, but also uh, the wider region. Right. And we are uh, also having another geopolitical crisis, um, uh, uh, which is in, in Ukraine, as, as we know. And many say it's a human tra tragedy, right? Uh, it's not only a, a war between two countries. But uh, what are the most pressing impacts of this Ukraine-Russia war to the stability for, for say, you know, let's say e uh, EU and ASEAN in this regard? And how do you think both regions should work together in minimizing the risk of further escalation? Yeah, I think the, the first uh, challenge is a, a challenge on, on international law. And that is um, kind of the challenge, the defines of the most basic principles of the UN Charter. Uh, 
And that is something that matters for the EU, but also matters for uh, ASEAN when you see one, uh, one country which has nuclear weapons basically brutally uh, invading a uh, neighbor. Um, so I think that's something that is of concern to both EU and ASEAN and indeed the entire world. Uh, and that's why we all came together in a, uh, adopting a number of resolutions at the UN uh, General Assembly to basically condemn that uh, behavior. And we were happy to see also uh, the ASEAN countries uh, joining in that. And the second uh, kind of result uh, or challenge we see is that the uh, invasion uh, of uh, Ukraine has now created also economic problems uh, in the entire world, but also within, uh, within uh, ASEAN. Uh, we think about the oil prices, we think about uh, uh, breads. I mean, you know that Ukraine was a big producer of, uh, of wheat. Yeah. So there, there, there are a number of um, uh, challenges also on the, on the economic front. So it, it is important that we uh, jointly come together and condemn this most brutal uh, aggression and indeed the war crimes that we've seen in, in Ukraine. Right. Ambassador, how long have you been posted in, in ASEAN region, if I may ask? I've been posted here for two and a half years, a little over two and a half years. Wow, so it's uh, since the, the pandemic happened, yeah, in 2000. Yeah, I, I, I was lucky enough to arrive just before the pandemic, so I could uh, move around a little bit, of course, within Jakarta, but also within the region uh, before before the pandemic. Uh, but of course, being um, being a diplomat during COVID times is not quite the same <laughs> as in normal <laughs> circumstances. But I go, I guess that goes for many professions. Right. So any interesting places that you have visited so far in ASEAN? And oh, maybe... so many. I visited uh, nine out of the 10 countries for now. Oh. Um, and I think every, every country or any, every capital is, uh, is uh, interesting in its, in its own way. Unfortunately, during these missions, there's not always time enough to actually do some tourism. But uh, I still have a year and a half to go. So who knows? Yeah, definitely. And thank you so much once again for your time, for knowledge, for your thoughts about the EU ASEAN relationships. I hope the listeners get a lot of the things from our interviews. And um, yeah, so thank you so much, Ambassador, and please stay safe. Thank you, Noto. Thank you, everyone, for listening all the way to the end. Follow Foreign Policy Talks on Instagram at Foreign Policy Talks to keep updated. Feel free to comment your thoughts on this Europe Day special episode on our Instagram. And don't forget to check the quiz that we're going to have, especially for the celebration of peace and unity in this Europe Day. Thank you and stay tuned for the next episodes.